0: Welcome back listeners to Bodybuilding Down Under podcast. Today, we have a very special guest in replacement of Jack. Now, there were some prerequisites for this guest. First up, they needed bigger arms than Jack. Wasn't very hard. Number two, they weren't allowed to laugh at any of the jokes. And number three, they had to be serious the entire time. So we have the perfect candidate. It's Montana Owens. How are you?
1: Hey guys, good. Thanks for having me. I've all, I think I've already broken all all of the rules, especially the arms one, so mm. we're off to a good start.
0: Good start, but no laughing. I'll let you off once. <laughs> all right. Now, instead of giving you the mic, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pretty much interrogate you. I've got three questions that I think all the listeners want to know um, if they don't already know you. Um, so then that way, I guess it saves you just telling us how good you are.
1: <laughs> sure.
0: All right. Um, What do you do for work? Like, wh- What's your job? Because... Some people might not know. Yep.
1: Yeah. Well, at the moment, I am an online and face-to-face uh, PT working with both um, general population and uh, bodybuilding athletes, um, working with my partner, Jono, if you don't know who that is, um, in with Off Tap Fitness, uh, which is a business that he started just over a decade ago. Um, so it's pretty cool to be part of uh, his business. And yeah, that's basically what I do. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, in terms of competing, have you ever competed before? And if so, what shows have you done? Yeah, I don't I, know. You don't know? No. So tell no. me more.
1: Well, thanks for the follow on Instagram and checking that out, but whatever. Um, <laughs> I've done um, three seasons. I did season A, 2019, season A, 2021, and then season B, 2022. Um, and I've competed with ICN and IFBB. Um, what else do you want to know about that?
0: how many how many swords do you have that's what um, I, that's
1: yeah I have two swords and they're sitting mm-hmm. right below me haven't been able to put them on the wall just yet like uh DC's awesome setup back there
0: oh, yeah he's got one <laughs> with the with the LED lighting yeah nice <laughs> but,
1: but we'll get there but yeah I've got two swords
0: now I take mm-hmm. it you also have a pro card what federation is that in
1: I've got an ICN fitness pro card we won that last season so that was that was cool that was one to tick off the list and one that I I basically work for, for 12 months, like solid towards that.
0: Very nice. Very well-deserved. I think Thank now, you. what are, what are the, what are the plans to compete in the future?
1: Yeah. So we do have plans to compete again, season B next year. Um, and at this stage it might change. Um, but at this stage I'm working towards jumping on the WBFF stage um, in the fitness division. I would like to do another pro show with ICN, but um, we'll see where that is and how the rest of the season pans out.
0: Why did you decide to, I guess, swap over to more of the untested federations?
1: Um, Well, I mean, I won the ICN fitness pro card. So now kind of all that's left to do with ICN is um, the pro shows. Um, I love IFBB bikini. I love just competing, like, I guess, against the best. So that's the best I in my opinion um I love IFBB bikini but my the level of conditioning that I get to and like my shape doesn't fit that category overly well anymore um and I don't really see the need especially (laughs) being on hashtag BK conditioning um (laughs) not getting into not getting into complete condition is probably I don't know it's just not really an option So that's not really, I'm not really going to fit into the IFBB bikini criteria anymore. So WBF fitness it is.
0: I think the BK team would cry if they had to put an athlete on stage at 70%, knowing that they, you know, damn well could have straighted glutes and look 10 times better if they push the the envelope.
1: Exactly. It's not really the BK way. I don't think.
0: (laughs) Yeah. In terms of the bikini, did you have many expectations going into it? Obviously being a natty, and competing against I guess there's definitely some enhanced people on that stage did you have a lot of expectations going into it or were you just like dipping your toe in there and you just like see what happens
1: yeah my first season that I did IFBB I had absolutely no expectations um I loved the posing I just wanted to have a crack um I ended up doing really well I think I placed I I placed in both my first time as novice and open at the state show and then I was in the first call out at, um, for the opens at nationals for my first season. Um, so going into the last season when I competed again with IFBB, yeah, I had, I had an expectation to place top three. So yes. Yeah. yeah.
0: Very nice. As, <laughs> as any competitor probably would, they, they want to do the best as always. But yeah. All right. So I've got something a little bit different today. What, I, what I've listed is I've listed off pretty much every single body part and I'm going to ask everyone, I guess, what is the must-have exercise for that body part within your training split? So for example, I give it to Lawrence. I say, what's the go? What's the must-have bicep exercise at the moment? He'll give me the must-have. We're not going to um and ah. We're just going to go kind of rapid fire. Um, first off, let's go DC with chest because he undoubtedly has the best chest here.
2: Mm, I would say incline dumbbell press. Mm-hmm. I think because, I mean, obviously you can perform many variations across an incline press, but I do think perhaps biasing a little bit more volume towards that clavicular head is probably beneficial for, for overall, you know, chest development that perhaps a lot of individuals lack.
0: Do you agree Lawrence? Only Only one? one. Only one. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Mon got to be the smith um, machine surely
1: yeah incline uh, any chest exercise i don't really do chest um let's yeah. do a smith machine <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's funny because i'll I be the exact same as dc all right let's go back mon what, what's the must have
1: i'm gonna go a reverse grip lap pull down
0: hmm interesting what are you dc not an early after wait. last
3: week what degree is the humorous <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly, because that is, yeah. is so important. Right? If it's 1% yeah. off, like, you know, we're, we're losing all those well,
3: if Mon gives the wrong answer here, I'm, I'm going to remove her from the call. Are
1: you asking me?
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> like, free- She's free- got record?
3: the pro card. She asks you. Oh, fair enough. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. What about you, DC? Uh,
2: must have, must have, must have, must have. I really like a weighted pull-up. That's really that's one of my favorite favorite
3: exercises for for back development. Oh, ah, yeah. pig of a movement. I hate those so much.
1: No, thank you. Big pass. I right,
3: just long feel like the,
2: I feel like the people who say, "Oh, I know, like I hate that," are the ones that just absolutely suck ass at them. Yep. yep.
0: And they get replaced <laughs> right with an underhand grip lat like, pull down according yeah. to my... They get they get immediately <laughs> replaced
2: with a with an iliac pull with like two pins on uh you know 10 the kilo weights that. and we're just concentrating on that on that nice you know tension awareness Eh? yeah yeah you
1: know, it's
2: funny yeah. i do both of those things so <laughs> <laughs> I had no pull-ups <laughs> all
0: right lawrence what is it then what's the back movement
3: whoa like does it have to be the same movement or could you pick one machine and do it one back movement we're not gonna, oh, man, ah. come on i gotta get one you get one piece i'll say seal row Seal
0: row. Ah, uh, I would have to go chest supported T bar row. I reckon. I feel like be... in terms
2: of back training, if you can only do one exercise, I feel like that would be the muscle group that would probably suffer the most mm. in terms of yeah. development, right? Because I guess there's so many, so many different muscles that that make up the the group of the back that you know realistically you need to be pulling from multiple angles to to get the most out of your training.
0: Yeah, There would definitely be some weaknesses in there. Definitely. All right biceps
3: lawrence what do you got i'm gonna say a cable incline curl Mm. yeah because i think that way you're hitting everything to the most lengthened that it can be you know you need to have your arm behind you in order to hit the long head at its most lengthened position and you can still make sure you get it short so i think that's the one Mm. what are you dc
2: I was going to go for like a, like a, an incline dumbbell curl, like a supinated curl. So basically similar in the sense of sitting back on a bench, perhaps at a, you know, 45 degree incline and just getting that nice stretch across that bicep in that full lengthened position.
0: I believe Mon doesn't have much bicep training in her program. So what's your yeah. going to be like a flat bar cable curl if I had to guess.
1: I was going to say just the one bicep exercise I have to do per week will do.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and what is it though?
1: Oh, at the moment, it's a face away um, yeah. yeah, from the c- cable bicep curl.
0: Yeah. I was either going to say that or I guess like a preacher curl, like a nice preacher curl. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like you could probably overload it quite nicely. But the only issue is... Is there a that nice language.
3: preacher curl? That's yeah, the question. Yeah. Like, that, is, that is the question. I don't think I've ever had to use a preacher curl machine, like a pin-loaded one, where I've been able to do it like bilaterally and gone oh that feels tremendous like you always have to use them unilaterally and that's annoying mm. I, I personally haven't found one if someone has let me know but i i haven't found it
0: yeah i'd have to probably go with like a face away i reckon on a cable i like it a lot all right um delts but we i had to be a little bit more specific here because obviously we've got three heads front and side delt like you know if you're going to pick one delt exercise for the development of both of them what would it be mon
1: does it have to be like specific, like really specific?
0: You get one exercise, right? I'm, I'm going to give you one exercise for your entire program for your delts. What are you picking?
1: Wait, we're talking front delt.
0: Front and delt. side. Like, like, like you know.
1: Delt. Well, yeah. I really like, like, just the, I, I don't know if this is con- controversial, um, but the Pinata lateral raise machine.
0: Hmm. You the run that one, everyone. do you think? Yeah,
1: yeah. I really like that machine. I don't know if it's, I don't know if that's a good machine or a bad machine, but I love it
2: it's not bad i find that the the range is a little bit short though like i i sort of hit myself in the the leg in the bottom position even if i have my hand in front of me i find that i hit the pin so i find if it was just a little bit more range it would be a good piece but i think you can find that sort of optimal position where you can really sink that tension into that delt so i understand that choice
1: i'm a little person so it works
2: what about you dc um, I would say probably a behind the body, uh, cable side raise. Cause I feel like I can really move that, that, um, that load into the sort of anterior lateral compartment of the, the delt, just based on raising that arm and a little bit more of the scapular plane, particularly if depending on how I actually position my, my torso, I can slightly change it to become a slightly a little bit more of a 45 degree angle in terms of that, that raise. And that might, uh, provide a little bit more stimulus for that anterior delt as well.
0: Funny, cause I was gonna say the exact same thing, and uh, I've had that in my program. And as soon as I put it in my program, I literally see you the next day um, putting it on your story. So I was like, "Hey, at least I got DC's tick of approval that it's gonna work."
2: Mm, so- it's a great, it's a great piece, man. I really like it.
3: Right, you, Lawrence? I'd second DC and yourself, mate. I think that's mm. that's the one. Mm. All right, triceps. What do you got, Lawrence? I'm probably gonna take a single arm overhead rope extension.
0: Yeah, I'd probably go the exact same but I'd probably do both arms at the same time.
3: Uh just well, like- I would do no arms at any time. So Yeah, yeah, yeah very nice. <laughs> <laughs> what about you DC?
2: Yeah, I mean I would I would probably go go the same to be fair. Um I really enjoy doing most overhead positions for um for triceps. So yeah, either that or um uh like uh, some sort of french press as an example but mm. i have a buy like i prefer cables so probably going to go the same as you guys or the, the balls <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, no yeah. not
3: the powerhouse balls <laughs> they're No, for face balls, aren't
2: they? what'd you say they're for face pulls aren't they yeah <laughs> i don't know i've
0: seen lawrence doing skull crushes with them too like yeah. some real weird <laughs> stuff a- any any exercise you can put those baddies on he's running.
2: Not even with, like, any load on it as well. Just yeah. literally laying on the bench, just, just fake going into tricep. He didn't so even have the project. cable
0: attached to the attachment. It was <laughs> yeah. just repetitions. And he was, I said, and I was and my... trying to legs.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. What are you doing, man? This is my warm-up protocol. All right, man. <laughs> that's why he always walk, walk dodges away.
0: me in the gym now. Weirdo. All right, Mon, now, I don't think you can pretty much argue here. Yeah. Well, what are you going to run? But looks I a bit was... weird if you don't back it.
1: I was going to say anything but an overhead tricep and that's only because it's too hard and I just don't want to do it. But I just go like just a normal, I'm sorry, BK. Um, like a rope, just a normal I'm taking rope.
2: notes right now. Like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I got a call with him right after this. I'm, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just, um, BK's you know, listening
0: and then like, he's like, wait, I swear I have an overhead rope in her program right now. And she's just replaced it completely off program
1: he definitely does no i just like a normal like rope extension
0: yeah don't so make
1: me don't so make me like spin around and do things
0: i oh, we're gonna see it no nah, i'm
3: messing all right lawrence you're up for this one quads
0: oh
3: it would make leg training a lot more boring but i have to say <laughs> a leg extension because i think that if you're only relying on squats you're probably going to end up with a underdeveloped rectus femoris so as much as it pains me to say if you go on maximum physique development i think you would take the leg extension but it would it would make for some boring leg days is that the lying down variation that you've made this is the coffin variation which bk replied to my story or he commented or something like that so don't mock me you're mocking bk as well and we've got a coach an athlete and me who loves him, against you. So be careful what you say here. That's I'm is This is variation. Geez.: Sorry, oh.
0: mate. I'm a bit pent up, you know. I need Jack in here to keep you on the leash. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, DC? Surely it's got to be a squat of some sort.
2: Yeah. I, look, I'm probably just going to say this from the perspective that I think if my quad training was just leg extensions, like <laughs> I'd feel like a bit of a bitch, to be honest. So I'm probably going to either go a hack squat or a pendulum.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I'd probably have to say a nice hack squat. Mm. I feel like probably takes it. Yeah, you, Mon?
1: I was going to second the leg extension. I don't know. Leg extension? Boring. Yeah. It just gets the job done.
0: Yeah. Interesting. All right, hammies. What have you got, Lawrence? Don't tell me seated hamstring curl. Has to be. <laughs> Mate, the the science
3: does not lie. That one I, paper on the stretch mediated hypertrophy line no, no, or he said no, no it's in the, the book. The director, uh, this is the Mao paper where it was the in study in subject design where they competed compared seated to line. Look, if we're only picking one, we have to yeah. take the most effective. Once again, you know, if this was assuming we weren't bodybuilding, then I'd probably choose something else. But if Would we're just trying to make or anything like a stiff leg deadlift or anything like that or a barbell idea because if you were only doing a hinge you wouldn't develop the short head of of biceps for Morris. so you'd be shortchanging yourself a little bit because it's only involved in flexion of the knee whereas the other ones are involved in the hip extension so yes i'm taking the the cedar leg curl probably single leg just for a bit of fun (laughs) just to mix it up
0: a little bit if i'm stuck with one exercise might as well make it interesting yeah Mm. why not
2: and even more of a, a forward hip flexion as well. You really got to get, you know, get that stretch in there. Yeah, well,
3: hey. DDY was <laughs> watching me do what he called my lawn chair leg curls today, where I'm trying to, like, fold myself over. They feel great, though. They're really good.
2: Mm. Mm.
0: You know, it's funny. I did those with you ages ago. We were at Club Lime. And you are like, what the yeah. hell is this man doing? I'm, like, leaning over, grabbing the front. Like, you know, yeah. You just wanted just, it bad enough back then yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I was just ahead of the research papers. Like, I don't yeah. want to say it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like Milo who? Yeah. Never heard of him. Yeah. What about you, DT? Yeah,
2: look, I'm probably going to agree with Lawrence, but uh, just to agree to disagree, I'm going to say like a barbell RDL. Mm. Yeah,
0: I'll, I'd probably have to go with a barbell stiff leg, I think. Mm. But Lawrence made some very good points there. What about you, Mon?
1: I was going to go a barbell RDL as well, just so I can get a little bit of glutes in there as well, because why not?
0: Mm, but fair. then I
1: tossed up about doing the stiff leg because I'm supposed to be replacing Jack, so.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you, <laughs> if you don't mention that, you're in, in some serious trouble. Tick. Mm. All right, this, this is the final one, which is going to be glutes. I'm going to shoot over to Mon. You got one glute exercise.
1: Yeah, shit. Um, well, that's hard.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm
1: just, I'm just going to go a hip thrust.
0: Yeah, hmm. you dc
2: yeah I'm, I'm probably gonna say the same thing uh a hip thrust i mean i i really like some of the the really nice plate loaded equipment that you can you can get it has to be like the the nautilus hip drive in specific i would say is is a great a great piece um just because i mean i, I love barbell hip thrust but um it can just be a bitch to set up <laughs> So sometimes it's getting into a machine, loading the plates that you need, especially ones that aren't limited with regards to how much you can actually load. And, um, you know, they can really just concentrate on those sets rather than racking, unracking
3: the, the weights. Mm. What about you, Lawrence? Well, I think we're all going to say hip thrust. So I was going to say we should do the rounds again and say which particular type. So DC, are you taking the Nautilus?
2: Yeah, I'm going to say Nautilus hip driver. Yeah,
3: Man, that carves up my, my pelvis, hey? Like I just, it's so sore. Like it hurts my skin on my, my ASIS. Yeah, really? Well, did yeah. you
2: use like an additional hip thrust pad or anything like that?
3: Or did you I just tried to put my towel it? in between, but yeah, okay. I might actually need an actual hip thrust pad. But to be fair, I think I was convincing myself that I liked that machine more because that's what everyone at Ultraflex uses in the UK. Mm. But I think if I was being honest, I probably prefer the Hammer Strength Glue Drive oh mon disagrees don't
1: rate don't rate the hammer strength one i'm not up with like the machines but what's the one at rigs dc
2: oh i'm not sure i actually don't know
1: i like that one where the the plates the plate's flat where we put feet is just flat and then it's got like a hard bar across
2: yeah 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 i'm not actually sure what brand that is we should ask jack (laughs)
0: I'm going to see Lawrence at the Gym of the Bodies by Rachel glute thrust pad next week. Yeah, I saw it's that. I'll, yeah. Dude, that
3: yeah. glute, that bar pad is tremendous. <laughs> it's so much better than the old one because they used to just get a normal bar pad, but this one actually like Velcros the whole way around. Mm. So yeah, that was that was good. I don't know who said Rachel is, but makes a good bar pad. Uh,
1: WBFF Bikini Pro.
3: Well, Chair, oh, is it Rachel Dillon? This-
1: yeah, is that? Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. oh okay so it's that one all right fair enough come on get off the scratch lawrence man with your you'll see going. a uh, bodies by general booty um <laughs> bar pad there next week i'm just gonna scratch her name out it's just gonna have your squared off glutes yeah exactly
2: just with your face on it from your t-shirt just
0: yeah <laughs> Mine would probably have to be like a glute dominant rdl i reckon like a barbell i think that would probably be my go-to so i had to go a little, something a little bit different from you guys well, I think that pretty much sums up all the muscle groups apart from the little ones. Um, so if you listeners at home, don't have these exercises in your program, you're probably doing something wrong. Joking, obviously, but let's get into the uh, Q and A. So first off, I wanted to go, which prep was the most challenging? Cause we've all done, I guess, somewhat multiple preps. Yes. Um, first off, I'm going to shoot you over to Mon because you've done three. What was the most
1: painful and why? Well, I think every prep brings its own challenges. Um, my first one was I'm gonna say the easiest because I was naive and I wasn't really sure what I was doing. Um, so it was kind of just like going through the motions. Um, the second one I did was it was challenging, like probably in that I didn't have the experience. I didn't have the like I guess the muscle mass. so it it felt a little bit harder. But I was doing it with Jono So it's kind of like I had someone that was worse off. <laughs> so it made it made. My- <laughs> Someone Um, with
0: lower carbs than you, so you (laughs) just had to shut your mouth.
1: And I was getting, like, double refeeds towards the end, and I couldn't tell him because he Mm. he would get so angry. Anyway, that one was nicer because I wasn't alone. And then, yeah, yeah, this this last one, I felt very, like, isolated in that there wasn't anyone really close to me going through it as well, so Mm. that was probably a bit more challenging.
0: Yeah. It's almost like you're cheating on him to an extent. You'll be sitting there eating like your rice and like the next room over, he's like, smells it. He's like, wait a second. Someone's eating carbohydrates in this house.
1: We just charges my, in. You cheater. I had, I had two days and he was freaking putting like pumpkin in his oats. That's how much he was struggling. And Ooh. I was over here with double refeeds. So
0: yeah. Yeah. I've never seen him backstage at like Sunshine Coast. And he literally had just this Tupperware container of straight Broccoli and like it was like just no calorie veggies. I was like, ooh, that's got a sting. Yeah, he was loving it though. He lived for it. He got in
1: trouble for eating um, like a whole lettuce one time.
0: Yeah. Well, just that, ate it. that was like the BK special though. I remember seeing a photo of BK ages ago. He put it up on his social media and he had like a whole clove of lettuce mm-hmm. and he was just in prep and it was like the real back end of prep and he was just eating whole cloves of lettuce while he was doing check ins. Couldn't be yeah. me. <laughs> what about you, DC? Because you've had two,
2: yeah, yeah. Look, I would say probably the most recent one, just because the conditioning that I brought was certainly on a different level to what I was bringing in the first the first time through. Not that I wasn't lean the first prep, but I guess having prep sh- cut short within a few weeks of um, of competing, like I had, a, I had a, a bit to go with regards to my my weight trend. So uh, the most recent one was, yeah, definitely the the harder prep of the two. Uh, but the most rewarding as well. So, what was the weight
0: difference between the two? Like compared to your first and second, were you roughly the same weight at the same time out?
2: No. So I, so the comp was cancelled for the first one, and I was, I believe I was about two and a half weeks out, and I was sitting at around, I think my lowest low was around the eighty-two mark, and the most recent prep that I did, my my lowest weight. Prior to the Tropic show, I believe was around just on 80, around just 80, 80 kgs. So, you know, roughly, I mean, I was definitely leaner as well. Yeah. So I was probably three kilos or so lighter um, as I approached the, the most recent season. And then my lowest low towards uh, the Queensland show with that depletion, it went down to like 78.8, I think was the lowest I got. So I was quite leaner than than the first time through. That's for sure.
0: And those three kilos, when you're like that lean, they hurt. Like oh man, that's the killer. Like when you're already shredded, and then somehow you pull three kilos off like your previous best stage condition. Like that shit hurts. Absolutely,
2: yeah. Yeah. But that was good good information, I guess, from the first prep because you know realize that okay, we probably need to start a little bit longer in terms of a prep timeline. And maybe I need to start a touch leaner in terms of where I started. Because I think that first time through when I started prep, I started at around 24 weeks out. It was, I remember Brandon um, sort of umming and um, and ahhing about whether to sort of take me on or not. It was like, oh, it's kind of like, you know, potentially the cutoff here, but maybe we, you know, we can get this done. And um, I guess just from that, and I was sitting pretty high as well. I think it was around 90, 98. And I had less muscle mass than what I do now as well. So it was just a lot more weight to try and move. And therefore the reflection from that is, okay, we need more time. And plus we probably need to be, you know, three, four kilos lighter before we start the next prep.
0: Hmm. Well, definitely showed. I reckon for myself would probably have to be my first one. I think I was like somewhat like what Mon, like I didn't really know what it entailed. Like, and I think the first prep was only 18 weeks, but that being said, I probably needed to pull off like 18 kilos in that time or something, or maybe like 15 to 18. So it was like a fair stint. But with that as well, I was also working like a pretty much like a full-time job. I had to do heaps of cardio and calories had to get down lower than what they ever had been. I had to do like a deplete week, which in between two shows, it had to get real nasty. So for myself, I think it would have to be the first one. I just don't think I had my... You know all the like the fundamentals where they should have been before actually diving into the prep, and then you know it stung at the end. I didn't know what to expect, and then next thing you know, you drag an ass for like the past last five weeks of it. <laughs> nah, yeah, it wasn't too fun.
3: Mm, what, about I what about you, Lawrence? I'd probably say 2018, because in 2017 I didn't really get into elite conditioning. Like I was lean, like I probably legally shredded, as the 3DMJ crowd say, but not like you know not to today's standards of conditioning and then 2018 got you know very very lean probably as lean as I could have given the muscle mass that I had but you know looking back I uh, looked very small um, in the grand scheme of things but and then I think in 2020 I probably got into similar conditioning as far as like the body fat on me but looked considerably leaner just because I had more tissue on my frame so and also I had sort of done it before so 2020 was probably a little bit easier in terms of just feeling the diet at that point yeah mm. in in the second prep did you have like a good pre-prep period
0: where like you kind of went into that season in a good spot or was it just like stuff it dive straight in
3: yeah no definitely uh, i reckon my starting point for each prep has been better and better so i think joey even used it as like an example in one of his SNA conferences where he like used me as a case study and compared my starting point from my 2017 prep compared to my 2018 prep and he said this is what not to do this guy looks like garbage he's way <laughs> too fat so no it was definitely a lot better but i think that it was probably just more a case of knowing how you would feel getting into like legit conditioning obviously the second time round you do that it is a little bit easier
0: yeah, mm. I was actually at that uh, case study, so I saw it. You were you were on there,
3: yeah, <laughs> mate. Good in some trunks, mate. I was I was only just not a minor, so yeah, it was yeah, he man. only <laughs> just met, met the cutoff to use those images. I think I paid three hundred dollars just to pretty
0: much go there for you in some trunks, basically. That's yeah. why
2: it was valued at three hundred dollars, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I I took nothing away from the course apart from that image, but um, <laughs> what's some of the worst advice you're being given? Let's go within the gym, DC
2: oh i guess when i first started getting into the gym um you know you 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 start getting advice from from other individuals around you and you know being pretty pretty noob at that point not really knowing a whole lot about training this is sort of around like 17 years old and um i remember like sort of trying to teach myself how to deadlift and i had some guy come up to me and like you know tap me on the shoulder and be like come on man like you got this i think i failed a rep or something like that and he's like you know just got this just 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 lift the weight bro like just pull the weight bro you'll be fine like and I'm just like man it, can't you see I'm trying that like I'm trying to pull the weight but clearly there's there's more to deadlifting than just simply pulling pulling the weight and uh you know I reflect back on what my technique was like back then and I'm like oh man there was plenty of things that he could have said to me to improve my lift other than yeah. just you know just lift the weight bro but
0: yeah.
2: i'm sure maybe he was on the same level he didn't really know too much about what he was doing either so
0: yeah, yeah i thought that was lawrence he came up he said mate with a little bit more lumbar rounding he said anything's possible you would just be able to just lift that weight
2: yeah straight up 100%
0: <laughs> i think one of the pieces of advice i remember asking one of the trainers at the gym i was like listen like i want to get big i was like how am i going to do it and he goes german volume training <laughs> and then what did i go home and do so stop german volume training and I, I'm pitched up there for an hour on every single exercise: bench, squat. I think it was what's the other exercise? I think it might have been like a bento. Uh, might have been like a bent over row. So here I was, just ten by ten, every every alternating every day. Uh, and yeah, turned out I I got huge, obviously.
2: Mm. Mm. Are <laughs> you still running it to this day, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm loyal <laughs> to it. Uh, I just remember pulling up after the ten by ten squats supersetted I think with a lying hamstring curl I was like man I actually don't feel that sort I was literally crippled for like a whole week after doing not that much volume on barbell back squats mm. I was I was just toast what about you Mon
1: yeah I'm pretty lucky that um as soon as I kind of got into the gym I've had really good mentors and been around really good people so I can't really think of anything I don't think I've received any horrible advice since i started so i'm pretty lucky and i i would owe a lot of my like quite rapid progress to being put in the correct rooms with the right people and my 10 out of 10 genetics obviously
0: yeah, yeah. lawrence mentioned that yeah
2: yeah he said it
3: was all genetics no mental mm. yeah well yeah, that's well, why we i said yeah mon we needed someone with comparable genetics if not preferable to jack because jack what do we say jack's about an eight 13, I thought it was. 13 out of 10. No, that's his mindset. Ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I was listening to that one and I was like, oh shit, I'm probably like a 5 out of 10 mindset. <laughs> I'm,
0: well, I'm not going to say anything, but yeah.
1: No.
2: <laughs> Sw- swapping every exercise you don't enjoy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And training a really,
0: little, little bitch. Really happy I had some good mentors. Oh yeah, overhead tricep extensions. Yeah, I'll just replace sure. that. Barbell back squats? Nah, hack squats. They'll be right.
3: What about you, Lawrence? What's a piece of advice? Oh, it's similar to Mon, to be honest. I've been very fortunate. Like when I first started, I mean, I could have ended up down a pretty ordinary road. Like I just happened to get Joey's email off someone at my gym by pure coincidence. So, you know, I've been given sensible training and nutrition advice since I was 16 but I'd, I'd say probably just before that when I'd started to try do a little bit more research my you know my PubMed was Arnold's modern encyclopedia of bodybuilding which has actually got some interesting stuff in it but I was sort of very under the illusion that I needed to like only eat specific foods so I would follow like the diet that was listed in that book and I, I do reflect on some days like sitting at my part-time job eating like just plain steamed chicken breast and like gagging as i tried to get it down with like no seasoning no sauce no nothing thinking that that's what i needed to get humongous which it was but yeah
0: (laughs) that's why we aren't humongous though because we don't do whatever it takes exactly all right this next question is for you, Mon. Strategies for uh, helping deal with weight gain in the off season for a female. I guess the guys can somewhat get away for it. A lot of guys just, yeah, I'm I'm bulking now, and it's like we don't really see that from females. I guess it's not really talked about that much. So, do you have any advice?
1: Yeah, um, I guess it's understanding that you, you, you guys have spoken about it in previous episodes. So I'll probably just reiterate what you guys have already said. But you know, understanding that you need to do that to perform at your best, recover at your best, get better, do better. Um, and yeah, that's kind of just it. <laughs> you can't you can't stay lean forever and um, expect to make progress in the gym.
0: I think another thing as well is the way to your dream physique, which you know a lot of see people see like competitors and stuff like that you're never ever going to get to your dream physique if you're not in a calorie surplus. Like, I don't know what they're doing unless this division is malnourished, but you're never going to have an IFBB pro bikini physique. If you don't do a calorie surplus, a structured building phase. And I I think that's just one thing.
1: Yeah. There's no way that like, yeah, I would have gone made the progress that I made from my um, 2021 season to 2022. If I didn't spend a significant of time being uncomfortable, which I was, Mm. and that was just, that was just part of what I had to do to to get there.
0: I think that's a good thing with also having really good mentors like BK. Um, you know, just being like, hey, like this is what it takes. Like, you know, you're not gonna get there without this phase. And then like, you know, obviously you see BK on somewhat of a pedestal, um, as you would coaching under him and you know, you take his word for it. And in the end it paid off. So
1: Yeah. And in saying that too, um, I've lost my train of thought. I don't know where I was gonna go with that. Cut that yeah. out. Sorry, Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh Lawrence's work's cut out for him nothing's getting cut out here
1: oh Um, what i was gonna say yeah no insane no work (laughs) for me insane in saying that um i've been really blessed that i've never had to deal with uh like any mental health struggles that come along with that which i know a lot of females in particular do deal with so Mm -hmm. i've been i've been really really lucky not to have to deal with any of that
0: i think a lot of it could also maybe be fixed or like minimized post-show is just by having a good pre-prep period and making sure all your ducks are in a row before you actually start the prep like you know you know how to track you know how to train you actually have done a surplus that way when you do come out of that post-show period you know exactly what you're going to be getting back into
1: mm-hmm.
0: i feel like a lot mm-hmm. of it's the time where you literally dive in and you're like i'm doing this prep so i can get my dream physique and then you got that dream physique for one day and it's uh it's a nightmare after that if that's all you're competing for.
1: Yeah, 100% agree.
3: Yeah, I had, um, I guess on my podcast said that and she, one of the most profound things I think that she actually said was if your reason for competing is that you want to look better, you are coming at it from the literally the worst place possible because mm-hmm. you're not going to be happy and then when it's it's all gone and all the glam and all the bikinis and makeup has been packed away, you're probably not going to be happy with what's staring back in the mirror. So yeah, I think that's a very good point.
0: I think a lot of it as well, like we mentioned on one of the podcasts is like when you, when you're in, when you're in a bodybuilding journey as like a competitor, 90, probably percent of the time, you're going to be uncomfortable. There's not going to be a time there where you sit there. You're like, wow, I absolutely love my body. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to make heaps to progress. This is exactly what I want. And like a lot of it's like, you know, you're pushing the boundaries in the off season. Then when you're in prep, you're absolutely suffering on the dieting side of things. And that's just how it is. If you want to be a really, really good competitor, which is obviously what you have done. Um, Now, let's go to this next question. How often do you take an exercise to true zero RIR slash failure? Lawrence. Because you have about eight left in the tank every time I train with you. So, what's the go here? When do you train hard? Is it
3: when I'm there? Well, no. Well, unlike most physique athletes, I actually run what I call a inverse deload paradigm. So, rather than having an easy week every seventh week, I train easy for six weeks in a row and then have one hard training week on the sit so my recovery is insane it's it's unbelievable to be honest
2: and that's just to ensure that you know optimal stimulus to fatigue ratio correct
3: exactly yeah
2: good great yeah nice
0: yeah i've seen something similar from one of my clients where he implements his own deloadness, deload hard training deload hard training it works a treat because you know you'd never have to worry about the fatigue fatigue side of things you know it's perfect
3: it's a no-brainer it's an absolutely no-brainer on on a serious note though it's actually interesting that this question comes up because i was listening to a podcast earlier today on iron culture where i believe there's been a new meta analysis released on failure training i was actually just making a note to give it a proper read but it was pretty interesting stuff where like eric was talking about you know the sort of high intensity mike mensa hit style training has resurfaced a little bit but, you know, the the main takeaways is still that, you know, training to absolute failure is probably not necessary. Now, they did mention that if you are someone who's taking more of like a low volume, low frequency approach, then it is probably a good idea to take some of those sets to the cleaners. But once again, you know, it's sort of a law of diminishing returns. Like it's not like you know, the first couple of reps or if you're training at like an RPE 7, it's not that that's useless work. And yes, there might be a bit of a benefit to taking it to an RPE 9 or a 10, but it's not that much. So once again, that's where like the stimulus argument comes into it. But for myself personally, there's a few like... I mean, I I don't, I try not to fail reps. So I don't know how often at all I would really train to failure, except in the final week before a deload where maybe I am going all the way in and I have a spot and I'm saying, okay, I'm taking this all the way there. And then I, I, I do think that is a good chance to sort of test where you're at, but I've certainly found that the more advanced I've become, the more that week becomes me just adding like one or two more reps, if I'm taking it all the way in there, like, it's very rare now where I'm adding like five reps, because I am aware of my proximity to failure during the rest of the block. But I think particularly when you are getting started, I think that that final week before the deload is a good chance to kind of check yourself and see, okay, are you actually taking this to your desired RPE? Or are you leaving a few in the tank, and then you can take that data and use it to then select your loads in your next block once you've recovered in your deload so i would say that you know before the deload is a good idea and if you want to train to failure more regularly that's going to need to be reflected in your overall volume and frequency as well yeah do you have anything to add on that dc
2: no not really i think you covered it really nicely i think going to failure can be a great way of assessing your proximity to fatigue slash failure so just like Lawrence said you might use it as a a testing week of sorts where you might strategically add an AMRAP at the end of your block to, you know, see your proximity. And you might be surprised that you're actually working at, you know, a further away proximity to failure than what you actually deemed deemed was was appropriate. Um, you know, I see utility for perhaps adding in failure if it's the the last, you know, set of your last back exercise, you know, moving on to your next workout. Like, I think there's utility to that in terms of, you know, ensuring appropriate intensity. Um, I think there's psychological benefit for, for implementing failure training because it just helps the athlete to train hard. You know, I think if the coach is always saying to the athlete, no, no, always leave some reps in reserve, you know, like most individuals probably don't train as hard as what they think they, they, like they, 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 they don't train nearly as hard as they, they should. So, you know, for, for that narrative to be like, hey, leave it some more in reserve, you'll be fine. Perhaps that's not the best approach that majority of athletes would need where they can probably take these sets further and perhaps pushing strategic periods of, of failure training uh, can be a beneficial piece for that, for that. But of course, it's not something that we are chasing upon every set that we do. You know, not every set is going to failure because I... Yeah, I feel like if I was to apply failure training across all of my sets and reps, like I would just be completely battered up. My body would just be not in a good place. I'd probably be having to implement a deload every second or third week. Uh, you know, if you look at then how many deloads I've implemented over the course of an entire year, I'm spending half my training <laughs> in a deload or trying to recover. It's not really beneficial. So it's really that Goldilocks principle, right? Like too often, too little, somewhere in the middle, I think is a good place for it.
0: Very nice. All right. I think you boys covered it quite nicely. I'm going to jump on the next question. Um, why cut pre-workout out one to two weeks before the show? I'll take this one, I guess. Uh, main thing, I think, is if there's cross-contamination within the supplement. So, like, if they're making multiple different supplements within one facility or machine or whatever it might be, there might be something prohibited in one of the other um supplements so it might get into your supplementation so if it's a very very small amount which chances are unless it's like illegally dosed and like you know it's a prohibited pre-workout then you should probably be quite good if it clears out of your system within the week or two now another thing is is probably limiting caffeine intake in the peak week as well obviously you want to like try and de-stress so if you're taking a 400 milligram pre-workout two black coffees Chances are you're probably going to be quite hyped up and, you know, your stress levels might not be where you want them to be as you're like carb loading, you're manipulating water and all this other stuff. So I think it's just quite safe to just be like cut out pre-workout one to two weeks out. Half the workouts on that back end are quite low intensity anyway, especially for like that peak week. So anything else you boys have to add? Mon, did I miss anything? No,
1: nothing for me.
0: All right, this is a serious one. One of the last ones too. DC, what's your favorite active wear brand? (laughs)
2: Um, Look, I've definitely blown through my fair share of squat shorts or shorts (laughs) while squatting. And uh, (laughs) I'm sure I've flashed my ass crack a few times to some (laughs) individuals by by doing that. But I would say I, I really like Lululemon. Like their shorts is unmatched in terms of like just being able to squat in them and never having to worry about mooning everybody.
0: <laughs> do, do you run the ones with like the little tights underneath? Like, you know how you got like the shorts? I think they have like a mesh underneath, which is like somewhat like tight. Yeah,
2: some of them do. I, I've got a few of them. Hey, so I'm, I think I've got a couple of that have that. And then there's a couple of others that don't, but all of them are very like pliable. You can squat in them and there are no issues at all. So I would probably go with Lululemon. That's probably what I have most in my, in my cupboard.
0: Hmm. Mon, can you back the Lululemon?
1: Um, I haven't actually tried Lululemon, but I was gonna say crocs.
2: Oh no. <laughs> crocs. Why was no, that a... not added as like a prerequisite
3: for to not discuss on the podcast? Yeah. Much? I second this motion. I yeah.
1: The last one. And I do have a little um a little thingy majig that goes in the top of it. Nice.
3: So that makes a little it little a
1: plug in Koshu. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So I saw awesome. To- I saw someone at the shops the other day and they had like one of the little plugins, and it was literally a tiny little bag so you could put stuff in there. It almost looked like a coin
3: purse. I was like, what? I've seen one of those plugins, and the plug-in is a little croc. <laughs> 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 croc squared. That's just unbelievable. Yeah. There's, right, they, but...
1: there's a reel on Instagram going around at the moment and it's like comp heels, but they're crocs. And I've mm. been sent to it like Perfect. at least 10 times now
3: you actually train you can't in them agree, right
1: yeah I, I will wear them to leg day they're so versatile you kick them i off. would if i could yeah oh well yeah that's a shame
3: i've been uh, i've been told i cannot wear them to the gym so mm-hmm. i i envy you mon i envy you
1: put them in it sports
3: was, mode yeah
0: i think it was jared feather that innovated him i just saw one of his mm. leg days
3: running some crocs and the next thing you know two months later every single person is running crocs but even like in just broader society like they've made a huge resurgence because like i can't tell you now if i bring someone through that's like under the age of 25 at work like a patient they're wearing crocs like it's it's crazy Mm. do you wear Mm. you gotta wear socks with them though surely
1: yeah yeah Yeah,
3: yeah you're not wearing them because this is the point of the croc it's a a versatile shoe that if you're then taking some squat shoes down for example you don't have to then wear your squat shoes for the whole session like a dweeb no you want to be able to change out of them and you want to be able to change into a shoe that is minimally invasive that's the beauty of it
2: Mm, next thing you're going to see people uh you know hack squatting with like Birkenstock shoes Dude, Jesus sandals.
3: There literally is a video I watched of JP. John Peters, and he's <laughs> yeah. like on a leg press, legit leg pressing like a gazillion kilos, and he's doing it in like Nike slides. Like yeah, right. <laughs> just <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah maybe it's for like
0: ease of access for the knee sleeves because surely he's running knee sleeves at that point, just straight
3: up and down. Don't even yeah. need to worry about taking off the shoes. But at that mm-hmm. point, just go barefoot he was training like at his home you know what i mean like he owns the gym mate do whatever yeah. you want
0: yeah all right mon seriously though take out the crocs <laughs> what's your active wear of choice
1: right away use my code at oh
0: checkout. no <laughs> alana 10 that's all i heard alana right, 10 yeah.
1: use, you, use code montana at checkout you get a higher discount than alana's code for legal reasons that's a joke <laughs>
3: Terms and conditions apply. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, Lawrence, what what's the active wear? Um, oh, surely mate. it's gasp five uh, XL T shirts alongside gas
3: pants. Mate, if I if I could afford the shipping, then it would be, <laughs> yeah. I know this is an audio only podcast, but DC, I thought you'd like this as well. This is um Jordan Shanks apparel. Mm-hmm. What do you can see I think it's called. cool. Man. Pretty cool. I'm not much of a DBZ fan, but I thought the, the shirt looked sick but mate, you see me at the gym several times a week. I look like Adam Sandler when I'm there. You know what I mean? Like is there's not much going on. I just, it, comfort is my, is my, I still have a few trained by JP garments that I enjoy. Um, I think the shorts that I mainly wear are like the and one basketball shorts and then powerhouse actually makes some good oversized shorts as well. And power supps make the same one use code general um they make the same one actually so those are good shorts if you can get hold of them yeah very nice damn just gave like five active wear plugs right there and and we're getting paid for exactly none of them so you yeah know, that's show business baby yeah you're getting paid the big bucks
2: all right Mm. should we just drop manscape as like a a a, a term on this podcast just to throw it out there or
3: just so that people think we're We're still waiting
2: for the the, for the yeah yeah still waiting for the sponsorship what's
1: going on i sincerely hope you guys get sponsored by crocs
3: oh (laughs) god what a dream the only way I, i can
0: see them fashionable is just a crisp white you could never get them stubbed with a nice pair of black socks like that's the only way i could ever see anyone wearing them
3: well, there's like fancy ones now. Like there's ones that you can buy from like Culture Kings that are like two hundred and fifty dollars. Mm. Is that like the NBA ones? Mm. I saw them releasing yeah some NBA ones or something. They're tough.
0: Yeah, not tough enough. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon my active brand would have to be Nike. Where originally it was Adidas, but I moved on. The uh they stopped making the super short Chelsea shorts. You know, I was really loving those AFL shorts, like one one
3: third length, but they uh cut that and you know. I remember, I yeah, I remember when I was a bit younger, I bought a, like, what well, I called them like my leg day shorts and they were like the shortest shorts <laughs> you can imagine. And they were from ECT. Apparel. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they were yeah. a sight. Doing RDLs. Ah. <laughs> 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 Women and that's children just <laughs> running out of the room. Yeah, very nice.
2: You're just getting down into that back squat and you just tea bag in the floor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> God. All right, I think that's it. Um, we're going to wrap that up here. Mon, where can they all find you?
1: Oh, you can find me on Instagram at Montana O or if you're wanting to hit me up and look at a bit more businessy stuff uh, at OffTap Fitness or at OffTap Fitness underscore Montana.
0: Very nice. Well, there you go. We appreciate, you's coming on. We appreciate you coming on. Um, that's going to be it for today. Catch you all next week.